0: Are we in a death rattle for mega deals in the parish? Hong Kong Exchange delivers impressive results for Charles Lee's quarterly swan song, and Ice Futures Abu Dhabi are a go on March 29th, 2021. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. Thank you. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Britain is pursuing a Brexit finance plan. Its door is open to EU firms essentially as fast as the European Union is trying to shut its door to the UK's financial firms. A pretty serious imbalance given the fact that the UK is at least 35% of the European wholesale finance market. Europe may yet rue that move. Speaking of people, rueing moves. Hopefully the legislature in New Jersey have finally got the message. NASDAQ and other trading exchanges have met with the Texas Governor Abbott. As Texas Governor Greg Abbott himself tweeted, Texas may become the financial nerve center of America, of the world, he asserts. I will meet with NASDAQ and other trading exchanges about a potential move. Like so many businesses, they want to flee high taxes. In Texas, we made an income tax unconstitutional. Memo to Team Biden, whatever you're planning, you can't afford it. The Coalition to Prevent the Taxation of Retirement Savings includes NASDAQ, the ICE, CBO, Citadel Securities, Equinix, IEX, TD Ameritrade, Virtu Financial and UBS. Hmm. Could the last person in New York City please switch off the lights, says the plausible order of the day after another gruesome tri-state taxation miscalculation. In results this week, Hong Kong Stock Exchange, spectacular results for what will probably be the final time they're presented by the outgoing CEO, Charles Lee. Q3 profit jumped 52% on increased trading revenue, increased trading listings, in fact, pretty much increased everything. Despite the lack of an ant IPO, Charles Lee was hugely upbeat and delivered some very sanguine and sensible remarks about the future of the exchange, which is in excellently rude health and bears huge testament to his very successful period as chief executive. Elsewhere, good numbers came in from Euronext, amongst others, while the Warsaw Stock Exchange wasn't looking too bad either, but the National Stock Exchange of India beat both. Their revenues were up forty percent in the first half of the year. The sad news in the parish was that TPI CAP are flatlining. Terrible results altogether, they're now eyeing up cost savings. But then again, never executing remains the stuck record of the analogue TP ICAP, which is now becalmed through its own management incapacity to grasp the future. A paucity of execution has prevailed ever since TP and ICAP first swiped right to create what amounts to a merger, seemingly as well integrated towards a long-term stable relationship, as an impulsive late-night one-fingered shuffle on Tinder after some drinking and dialing. Making savings immediately is not harm. Boot the C-suite now. Remove the strategy department, itself surely an oxymoron for an unreformed interdealer broker. After that, a board clear-out can start working the company back to basics and a big shrink. The big shrink which we've been promised through two generations of management with zero execution. Frankly, TPI cap is, methinks, closer to an epitaph as a public company More so than ever before, it has manifestly failed to execute its simple-to-enunciate strategy. The notion of a successful liquid net acquisition is now nothing more than a pipe dream unless the shareholders relish further extensive dilution for no good reason. If the shareholders do opt for that masochistic dilution, where even the plan is incoherent, let alone the long-standing inability of management to execute the original cost-cutting plan, Frankly, it strikes me that rebranding TPI cap as BDSM IDB may be a sensible move. Looking at it either way, it is incredibly difficult to see how, in any reasonable shape, the TPI cap stock, which is currently at £2, can be suitably diluted to meet the overall ambitions of the stockholders for capital appreciation, given the fact that right now, even at a 20% discount to the current stock price, which would amount to £1.60, That's going to be a swinging dilution of existing stockholders in order to manage to afford the $425 million which is required to make the lunatic fringe acquisition of LiquidNet. Meanwhile, over at the London Stock Exchange Group. As I described it this week in Exchange Invest, it was like a story from outside Montevideo in 1939. It's the life and times of another ill-conceived LSE deal. Since the last podcast, no sooner did London Stock Exchange Group offer all manner of olive branches, some rather substantive pieces of timber, no less, in addition to the sale of Borsa Italiana, the competitors have gathered together and in a rather unified voice all said, no. I'm quite pleased my scenario has turned out precisely as predicted in August 2019 when the latest LSEG dumb deal was first announced. Readers may recall we were at that time on the cusp of peak data as an obsession in the parish, which has since subsided to a more logical plateau. However, the London Stock Exchange Group's Bulk Cruiser steams on, oblivious to macro changes, and alas, as I said at the time, the whole deal is causing LSEG to lose momentum against the rest of the parish. Now it is evident, as I previously pointed out, that the London Stock Exchange has moved effortlessly into the trap which was obvious from the beginning of what is not merely a bad deal, acquiring Refinitiv, but a dismal strategy. And that's coming from a company which stubbornly refuses to acknowledge its past failings, wasting hundreds of millions in shareholder funds, tilting at windmills, masking as an M&A strategy. I've often likened LSE's self-inflicted positioning failure to the pursuit and sinking of the Admiral Graf Spee, a veritable duel of the Third Reich's navy early after the start of the Second World War in September 1939. The denouement of the Battle of the River Plate involved the now stricken heavy cruiser Graf Spray, having been surrounded by more nimble but less weighty British ships, who eventually crippled her fuel system in a fascinating battle upon the high seas. Damaged and forced to seek refuge, the German cruiser entered the neutral port of Montevideo to effect emergency repairs, or, to use the current metaphor, sell Borsa Italiana. However, with Uruguay neutral, after only 72 hours, the Graf Bay was forced to leave port, i.e. Cue remedy responses from competitors after the Borsa Italiana and other remedies are proposed. The Graf Bay was ultimately scuttled, as it was readily apparent the Royal Navy had regrouped in international waters, ready to let loose with a vast array of ordnance. The LSEG's management, evidently bereft of strategy or coherent thinking at any stage of this process, have allowed themselves to sail straight into a barrage of flak from every exchange within the European Union. This was entirely avoidable. And just like the DB1 LSE fiasco, which I made it abundantly clear, was never going to happen within minutes of the first announcement, so too the LSE's year-long pursuit of Refinitiv remains a folly that a London Stock Exchange Group deal scenario is once again moving in precisely the way I shaped out all those months ago in Exchange Invest, as subscribers will readily know, is as much frustrating as it is good to report another accurate analysis amongst our publication, as Exchange Invest resources amount to less than the London Stock Exchange Group's M&A stationary budget. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this, please do consider subscribing to Exchange Invest, the daily newsletter of the business of bourses. If you'd like some slightly longer reading, perhaps, for the Thanksgiving weekend that's coming soon, don't forget to pick up your copy of Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency, and the FinTech World, my latest book on the FinTech environment and its future, coming, well, 21 years after my original book on FinTech, the first bestseller in the world of FinTech publications. Capital Market Revolution. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget to, while you're waiting for our next podcast or your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream. It's on Tuesdays at 6 pm London time, 1 pm New York. The IPO video live show. Most recently, we had an excellent discussion with one of the Flash Boys, the fabulous president and co founder of IEX, the investors' exchange, Ronan Ryan. Back in the world of bourses, product news this week. First of all, there was the IPO, well, what one might call the Antftermath. In the wake of the cancellation of the IPO of Ant Financial, which proved so spectacularly controversial just at, well, 48 hours to go before first dealings were expected in China and Hong Kong, There was much discussion this week on how, well, according to the FT headline, the party is pushing back. Why Beijing reined in Jack Ma and Ant? There are many, many more interesting consolidations of the discussion. And indeed, while slightly cushioned in his fall to earth, it is true that Jack Ma is now only China's second richest man. But then again, he's waking up with a bank account carrying a panoply of zeros on his credit balance compared to even most of the 1% folk. Nonetheless, interesting to see some of the conclusions. The Hong Kong Exchange's CEO, Charles Lee, noted he was disappointed by the suspension of the Ant Group IPO, as is quite realistic, but he was relieved to see regulation. That's a highly coherent piece of cogent analysis. The short-term ramifications of the Ant Financial IPO have rippled across the world, but at the same time, various elements of the Chinese fintech space could benefit from precisely that, some coherent regulation, where previously they were deemed pure-play tech companies. In that sense, whatever the arguably tortured gestation of the Chinese pushback, I also think regulatory clarity will be a long-term boon to Chinese valuations, and probably much sooner than many think. Elsewhere in the news this week, of course, that fabulous announcement, it is coming live in Q1 2021. Actually, just after the Dubai World Cup horse races next year, that'll be Monday the 29th of March. We're going to see ICE. Futures Abu Dhabi launching. Moreover, not only is the launch looking good for Q1 of next year, but indeed we have a series of very exciting new entrants to that market, all of whom have signed memoranda of understanding with ADNOC, the Abu Dhabi National Oil Corporation, and of course the IFAD exchange itself. A great deal of their oil that is headed into Asia will be using the Murban Futures leg, it seems. Those three parties that have already signed up are none other than household oil names Chevron, Trafigura, and Occidental. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In technology, well... Delusion unbounded at ASX. I've always admired many of the team there but at the same time when they made the remark that we're not flying to Mars that opened them up to some ridicule because indeed with NASA now thinking it can make it to the red planet by about 2035 that could be how long we have to wait for the Australian Stock Exchange to finally replace their antiquated chess settlement system with the blockchain solution that is already several years overdue. In People News this week, three exciting stories. Mrugank Paranjape, who was the former CEO of MCX, the Multi Commodity Exchange, he's moving over to the National Commodity Derivatives Exchange and he's going to become the head of NEML, which is their new NCDEX Markets subsidiary. Hearty congratulations to him, and hearty congratulations too to the highly capable Hope Javorsky, who has been named as Nice's new head of equities. Currently the co-head of ICE's government affairs division, Hope will be assuming P and L responsibility for ICE's five equity exchanges, amongst other assets, including TRF, Global OTC, and Nice bonds. Good luck to her. And good luck, too, to the head of the Korean Exchange. Their chairman, Jung Ji-won, is set to take the helm at the General Insurance Association of Korea next month. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it only serves to mention some interesting research that's come from the world of academia. Social media can influence stock returns, according to a leading finance professor. Some folk, perhaps those residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., might be likely to say that the impact of social media can be huge. But who am I to confirm this rumour? And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this, the latest Exchange Invest podcast, issue 071. Join us during the week if you are looking for more in news and information and pith about the business of bourses, exchangeinvest.com, the business of bourses every day in print. My name is Patrick L. Young. Have a great weekend and a great week in life and markets. I look forward to joining you next week for episode 72 of the Exchange Mass weekly podcast. This show relates to the business of bourses. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.